Everybody only knocking on the door. Now I skirt, 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 skirt. The toys I only dream that I can afford. Now I roll through the I ride to California. Beach mm -hmm. frog over goggles. Mm -hmm. I'm leaning out the window. OJ shining on me. Simpson shining on me. Slick service flow broke off the squad. Run it, run it, run it, run it. I rock. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast, and it's your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. And today is a special one. Welcome, welcome to 2022 yet again. New Year, you know what I'm saying? I've been I've been saying it since I tweeted it. You know, New Year, same you, because you're enough. So take that in. You feel me? Take that in. You don't gotta change, you just gotta improve on what's already there sometimes. But um, but I have here with me a very, I have another poet. Oh, I'm, I'm having a thing with like writers and poets. It's, it's feel like it's kind of telling me something. I need to, might need to tap in. But nevertheless, I have here with me a, um, actually earned, she, she earns the right to be called a queen <laughs> in so many ways. But um, I have here with me CAU alum, poet, writer, orator, spoken word artist herself, Alicia McLeod from Vidalia Dam, Georgia. How you doing, girl? <laughs> I love that. I swear I love that. that, that I'm so good, King. So good. And you already know I'm putting on for my city, the good old 912. Come on now. Come on now. Cause look, look, look. I I I told I told um I told myself years ago, my first, if I'm ever, if I'm ever fortunate to do a TED talk, my fourth first TED talk is gonna be about uh uh, small towns, like small town mindsets, because I feel like people really discount so much about being from a small town until they really start to uh, really look at the data, really see the people, really understand yeah. these magnificent stories of certain individuals who are only have a very specific view of the world, but have this so big imagination and, um, and be able to affect so many different people, you know? And I think I'm a walking example of it. I think you, you've definitely been there in your own ways. And so many other people I know who are not from these places that everybody has heard of and everyone can vacation to, um, they, become, they, be, they be shaking the room. That's all I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? They be shaking the room. They be shaking the room. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I think I had a small town mindset that I wasn't comfortable with. I'm, I just knew, you know, there has to be something else. There has to be more, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I'm definitely a small town girl at heart. Oh yeah, that in spirit, that genuine spirit, love people, that kind of thing, and that's a country girl thing too. But um, <laughs> you know, it just was always something that was calling in me. You know, yeah. like I gotta see something else at some point. You know, this isn't the end. I'll be. I can't be. But I let me get up on that. When you get on the project. Yeah, just call me and uh, I do a little interview with that. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some quotes from some great small towners. You feel me? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I already started writing on the intro, so I got you. Um, but you know what? It is. I, I said it. Just just said it. It is something that's going on in the air because I feel drawn. Like literally, the last three people I've spoken about my podcast with have all been writers. And I think it's funny because I think it's only um, a universal sign to me that I really got to get on my own shit. You know what I'm saying? It's every, everybody I spoke to have published already, too. 
Yeah. And so it's so it's like, oh, okay, so that's so it so it must be time. It must be the moment for me to really uh buckle down because it's like you keep literally engaging with all these different individuals who've already gotten them got out of their own ways and published a piece of work. But um but more about that later. More about that later. Let's first get into you and how you been and how you doing and what's going on with you. You know what I'm saying? Uh first, after cause I I I remember my first impression of you was um because I met, we both met at, uh, at Clarkland University, the illustrious Clarkland University, and uh, <laughs> and I, I remember, I will never forget, I will never forget which, because um, you you weren't you weren't Miss CAU first, you ran for Miss um, sophomore, right, or Miss freshman, Miss sophomore, Miss sophomore, right? Okay, so and y'all had a y'all had to do a talent portion too, right? Yep, that's correct. <laughs> that 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 shit sent me up. I'm talking about. I, I don't know who was sitting next to me, but I remember just being like, <sighs> I just because in my head I'm like, I just know because I, I feel like I already seen you do maybe some spoken word or some poetry or something before before the fact. So I was already like, oh, okay, cool. She gonna come in, you know? Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just settled in. Like, all right, I know what I'm. I know the form that I'm about to receive. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then you blessed my ass real quick. And I'm like, okay, so yeah. the, 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 the time might be changing in this thing. <laughs> like she, she, she is talented. You understand? And who, who knew? But yeah. I love that about it though. I love, I love that you, you didn't um, have to wear it in that way. Cause I feel like, you know, when you're in a microcosm like college or any type of social setting, it's almost like people expect you to, um, to put everything in on front street, you know, when it's like, you can be for multifaceted, you can keep things to yourself. You, you don't have to always keep things in front of you, but I don't know, what, what was about that choice? Cause I, I don't know if you, everyone knew that you could sing as well, you know, but yeah. it, it was, I always thought that was something interesting about you. Great first, great uh, a continuing great. impression that you made on me for sure. Awesome, That's, I appreciate it. But honestly, I did not, I spoke uh, like publicly on campus for the first time in this like in the campaign setting like yeah. I didn't get involved um, with anything political um, until my spring semester freshman year so I really was just kind of stepping out so I'm, I think a lot of people thought that I could write or was a poet because of the way that I spoke yeah. I don't know but yeah. really was kind of just figuring it out. But I was dealing with a lot of stuff in my freshman year. So I was kind of struggling through low key. But singing was my thing. Like at home, I I sang. I I didn't really write my first for real poem till my senior year of college. Damn. Yeah, like for real, for real. Like I had I journal and I, you know, keep up with like a blog, like just personal stuff. But yeah. to really write poetry or try to do spoken word, I didn't do that until senior year. So so when I was going from the sophomore singles, all I knew that was all I knew to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So take me to the king, it was. Ooh, you took us there, goddamn! <laughs> you took us there, golly! Woo! But no, I'm, but I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that about um, when you started writing. And I think what's interesting is um, it took me. It took me personally a long time to even acknowledge that I was a writer in any form um, yeah. until I literally was unpacking and cleaning up my house and was just finding like notebooks after notebooks after notebooks, ones I forgot and ones I could remember, ones that got brought back memories of things. Um, and I was like, it was just, all of them were like written in. None of them, all, none of them were like completely filled, but all of them were just written in. 
And I'm like, damn, like, I guess I always been writing shit down. Mm-hmm. But why have I not ever, you know, categorized myself to be, you know, be this, you know, because I think I always just see myself to be a, a person who just had the gift of gab. I can just speak publicly and all this and the third. And that's that's what my thing is. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't think I could. Uh, I think I didn't think I had another form in a um, yeah. specific way or at least a, a way that was um, actually meditated on and like actually like work to. But I was like, damn, I just might be a motherfucking writer on the low. What was it? What was it? What was it that uh, moved you to start actually, you know, writing poetry your senior year? I um, oh, you said after your was, senior year, right? No, during it was during, during my senior. Okay. Year. Well, yeah, that first uh, semester of senior year, I really committed to it because, um, well, I I had been struggling already with being in a in an abusive relationship, but I was on that the the cycle of it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it comes and it's good for a, a second. Yeah. And then I am devastated and then he's gone and then we're back. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm riding that. I have other, uh, I had, and in the times that we were off, I had other relationships going or connections with people going that were not good, you yeah. know? So, and that was kind of like the course of, that kind of happened over the course of my years in college, like just always struggling with romantic relationships. Got this fairy tale vision of of love and mm. um, wanted to be loved, but had no idea the extent of my damage. And so um, that was one thing. And then my family was going through, um, and I think we, I want to say we were being attacked by the government, um, and my family members, my mom included, had to stand trial for um, uh, Medicaid fraud. Man. Yes. So, and I've never openly, you know, spoken about that. Not, I went through my entire year as a Miss CAU dealing with the fact that my mom literally was on trial for two weeks fighting for her freedom. We're talking about 64 counts against her, her big brother, uh, and then my two aunts, my uncle, who was the CEO of the company, his wife, and our other, my other aunt. So it was my family's business. Like, yo, literally your whole family. <laughs> my whole family. And so, you know, that's a whole other thing that, yeah. you know, my family is still fighting now because of the struggle with our Black Lives Matter movement. Like, mm-hmm. we matter in so many ways. Like, and you all targeted my family. And then my uncle actually went to prison. He was, um... He was gone for five years. But, oh, my God. You know, you know, I was struggling. Or he was sentenced to five years. He only had to do one and some change okay. before he was. Right. So it was hard. It was it was a struggle. And uh, we've always had our faith. Like, I, my faith is, my, is the center of my life. So I dealt with that. I was dealing with the relationships. I was dealing. So I'm, I'm everywhere. And I just feel like, you know, there's turmoil inside of me. Like, I'm just struggling I'm fighting I'm hurting I'm angry and if I did not start to try to get it out of me out of my body Mm -hmm. it was going to consume me and I knew that so I wrote my first poem about the first things you know that were coming to my mind that were hurting me Mm. and um, before I knew it I had an idea for like an event and um created like a system and I challenged my court members to um be brave enough to testify to some of their own 
trauma, you know, just things that they were carrying and to do it through poetry. And that was the beginning of the unleashing. I had no idea. Mm. It, I had no idea, you know, but they um, joined me. We did a whole presentation on, on campus in November, yeah. shortly after um, my uncle's sentencing. Um, and I was able to present my poetry and perform my poetry for the first time. But I, I pair my healing to my writing ever since that point, you know, the just getting it out. Yeah. Hearing it spoken. Yeah. That's the whole part of the power in poetry. Speak it. Mm-hmm. Writing it is the first step. And that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's liberation in itself. But ooh, when you are able to just mm-hmm. let loose, put your flavor on it, like and give it out, like just give it to somebody else, but at the same time, just let it flow out of you. That's yeah. a whole other experience. Yeah. And that that was my first time. It, that was why it was my first time. I needed it because it was time to let some stuff go. Mm. Mm. I think that's, that's that's a beautiful thing to, to point out. The um, Not the act just of writing, but also speaking things out. Uh, I didn't understand. <clears throat> I never I never understood how how powerful that is. Until uh, until I started going to therapy myself and realized mm-hmm. like, oh, me saying certain things really is showing how much I'm either this is still affecting me because me saying it, then then there's something that happens like there's a reaction or mm-hmm. uh, the fact that it is something that is very traumatic and I can say it so comfortably. What does that inform whoever I'm speaking to? It can it can yeah. inform that I'm actually healed and have have grown past it. Or I'm actually getting to a point of like numbness to this thing that I should give more attention to. It's like, hey, you kind of talk about that like that's mad regular. Like you don't talk about it like a triumph. That's something that you got through. You got you talk about it like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I done seen a lot of death and all that. Instead of that, I'm like, whoa, bro, let's not let's yeah. <laughs> whoa, like calm down, you know. And I'm but I'm glad that you know more of it is happening, and I'm glad that you found um, that your 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 pathway to to heal. And also, uh, also it being attached to our form is something that everyone isn't always blessed to kind of um, to find. Some people it's just it's just it's just hard, you know, a hard start of a redemption story for whatever it is that you've been through. Because it may be something that you've done to yourself, other things that people have done to you, so many different things. Um, but I appreciate you sharing it though, because um, that's hell of perspective, and um, into like the magnitude in which that you write I think it's very it's very uh it's very um impactful and it's very resonating in a way that feels like damn I kind of I can't help but to feel this I feel something I can't like not listen and then just be like well you know it was cool you know it's like Mm -hmm. truly emotion and feeling behind every single thing and I think it happens with a lot of different artists and creatives where, you know, they really can't touch it without leaving something there, you know, and leaving you with something. Like, you definitely write um, in a way that sticks to you, you know? And um, and that's that's hell of a talent. Speaking of your writing, speaking of your damn writing, because I got to read this myself. I read, I, read this, I read this last year, and I remember liking it. I read it again today. I was like, yeah, I remember me making a note of this. And it just was great. But um, to describe the Sunflower Project on your site... And it reads this, and I quote, the thing I love about poetry is that it is living. I think God favored me to write in a way that if readers would lose themselves in the words, they would be carried by my story to broken spaces within themselves to their inner garden. 
where they can mm. sit with their beauty and shower their stretches of sunflower fields with love and acceptance. This book wow. is an extension of my soul. It is the message of how I lost myself and the rediscover myself as unleashed. Woo, girl, this so that that was it. That is it. That is it. I I haven't heard anybody else really read some of the stuff that I have written now. Yeah, I just took somewhere. I I told you. I told you. I, I look. I already peeped, so I'm just letting you know that it it works. It sticks to you right up in here. You know what I'm saying? Right on your rib. But so the sunflower project, like, tell. Let's start talking about that. What is it that led you to um, from writing that? You know, writing, starting the writing, actually like performing your writing um, your senior year to you mm-hmm. know starting this journey of realize where you realize you need to pivot or, or, or start this healing journey for yourself. How did it get to the Sunflower Project? Yeah, that um, was honestly accidental. I I was writing poetry for me, you know, mm-hmm. and then I was still Miss CAU, so I was doing some events on campus. You know, people had asked me to come and speak. Um, and one particular event, it was in the spring semester, so we, my family was going through, you know, we were dealing, and I'm talking about we ain't have no money. Like we don't have, we got each other and yeah. that, and we have, and we still have our faith, you know? And at the time I was just kind of everywhere with mine. I'm like, I felt a little bit abandoned, um, a little bit abandoned by, by God. So I'm still writing to try to redirect, like just to feel connected again, you know? Yeah. And, um, and to tell the story, I just felt, I felt like my parents, my, I mean, my mom, my uncles, they needed to be heard like that. So, you know, it was just for me at that point. Um, and then I'm collecting things and I'm I'm on this healing journey and I'm hearing revelation from God about, you know, how sometimes we have to go through certain things in order to be who or be refined into who he wants us to be. You know, I'm getting all this stuff and I continue to write. I'm just writing. I'm just yeah. writing. And I yeah. go to this event and I had gotten to a, a more stable place in my within myself and I'm speaking and this lady comes up to me. She's telling me, you know, you need to write your story. You need to write your story. And I'm looking at her like, okay, yeah, one day I will. Never thought I could write it in poetry. Never thought that that could even be a thing and didn't realize that in all the time that I've been pursuing my healing through writing, I was building my story. Like I'm writing this book. I had no idea it was the Sunflower Project. I didn't even know that, you know, spoken word poetry or free verse poetry could really be, or was really respected like that. So I I read, um, no, my cousin put me on to Raina Biddy. She Mm -hmm. has like a a spoken word album. So I was listening. I was like, oh, this is a thing. Like I have this, I have, I have this in my phone or in my journals, you know, like all of these poems. And I'm like, Oh, there's a whole spoken word world. Let's get into that. So then I started researching and, you know, reading some other stuff. And I'm like going through my, my journals and my notes. And I'm like, I am writing my story. And this is me. This is how I feel like I should tell it. This is how I, or what is natural to me whenever it comes to telling it. Tell it in poetry, write the book. 
Like you already low key have the book, put it together, build this structure and all the other things were God inspired the title, God inspired the, the name, my, my pen name, but also, you know, the, the part of my identity, I talked about it being the rebirth whenever, um, in the description that you just read, becoming unleashed, mm-hmm. all of that, it just started to fall together. It just started to fall together. And, um, I was like, before I knew it, I was really holding a book, like, yo and it's just it's just my truth it's just it's just the account of what transpired in my life that broke me and that that also freed me at the same time mm-hmm. and it amazes me still i i'm looking at it right now so i keep looking off i got my mm-hmm. little my little uh stickies in it but it amazes me that's it was accidental i was only trying to 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 move forward yeah and I missed around and gave birth and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. who knew that this beautiful thing could be born of me? You know, mm-hmm. that God could do this thing in me and take something that the pain was unreal in the time. I mean, you're hearing me with a couple years removed now from some of that stuff. And um, I'm able to speak about it without breaking down. I'm able to speak about it, you know, without losing my, my breath, but at the same, whenever I was going through it, oh, you know, and mm. you took that thing that devastated me yeah. and helped me plant seeds, you know, mm. of, of power mm-hmm. in other people, you know, and that, yeah. that unexpected, that was an unexpected blessing that yeah. came from from writing the book and writing the story. I, I, we, we spoke about the name, but I really want to um, speak about it in front of the, the mics as well. Um mm-hmm. What what was it that led you to this name? You said it was kind of given to you, and um, yeah. it came it came out of you know really truly just as a revelation. What was it that finally got you to the name? Did the name come early or did the name come late? It was already in working, but I mean it was working before I knew that I would have a book in the next year. So I, me and my shooter, that's my my ride or die. We were um, making vision boards going into. 2019 mm-hmm. um, and we were looking for things that spoke to us right so the I latched onto the sunflower on our little search mm. right we built these uh, vision boards I don't want something that you know grabs my attention and makes me feel something and I want to label that feeling and be able to put that on my vision board so I'm like oh that's so pretty so big it's bright uh, so I'm going to get this. I want to put this on my vision board. That was the, that was the start. Had no idea, you know, that more was coming. So I started researching it, researching the sunflower, all these things about the sunflower. And there were certain things that were relevant to me. One being that the sunflower stem is, is strong. I mean, it's got, it's got this big face, right? So the stem of the sunflower is not easily broken which connected to me to resiliency. Um, and it's this, the backbone to it, essentially, it holds the flower upright and it, it's not easily broken. And then there's the feature that um, the petals grow on top of each other. The deeper or the closer you get to the core, the more petals that you'll find, they steadily sprout. And that made me think about self-discovery, which is important to me because of my story 
and me thinking at one point a season in my life, you know, it stops at my abuse or it stops at my self-harm and it, or it stops at, you know, the way that I've given up on myself and how I've lost my self-respect and my idea of self-worth. Like at one point that was it for me. And that is the thing, you know, that was traumatizing for me. Those were the monsters that were raging in me and attacking me, you know, and to think, I got to I just got to go deeper. Those yeah. aren't the only pedals, you know. That's not the only part of my truth. That was that was another thing that kind of spoke to me. The deeper that I go, the closer I get to my core, I'm going to find other things to love. And there's room and space for these pedals to die. The ones that need to die, they will die, you know. And they'll make room for other pedals. So, it made me think about self-discovery and the last feature is that the sunflower will turn its face to the sun. If it has grown upward and it is looking away, then it will find a way to, or it tracks the sun. It will turn its face so that it is capturing the light. And I thought that was crazy. First of all, like little shop of horror is crazy. Like yeah. the sunflower be like yeah. turning. Yeah. But then when you really think about the power in it, I was like, that is also me. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything yeah. that has hurt me, everything that has tried to disconnect me from God and from from the sun. You get back to the light. I have always, you know, there's that built in thing, mm-hmm. you know, my spirit that continues to seek him and search for him. Yeah. That all, despite all the trauma, all the hurt, the times I felt a bit, all of that, always, he's always turning my face back toward him. And I did a photo shoot with sunflowers with um, one of my friends from high school. And when she sent me back my booklet of all my pictures, this is after, you know, I've had this affinity with the sunflowers, picked the sunflower, do the shoot. She sent me back my pictures and she labeled my package, the sunflower project. Mm. And I said, ooh, heard you got, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There's the title. And yeah. boom, there it was. It was just like that. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I love how that happens. I love how that happens. Yeah. You know, um, it's something. It's something about you know certain metaphors, certain you know just symbolism. I'm big, I'm big on all that. Big on all, mm-hmm. all that. Um, but I think it is something powerful that is you know when it comes to the sunflower uh, as a symbol because um, thinking about how uh, how you can even find nourishment. From a from a sunflower, you know, you can't get you can't you can't eat the seeds of every flower, you know. Um, I think that's what that's what another. <laughs> it's a it's an interesting part of it, you know. So it's like um, this admirable quality that just you know from aesthetics, and then you learn more, and then you see. And um, it's funny because I literally, my landlord, she has a garden in the backyard, and um, she used to grow these sunflowers that literally used to go like twelve feet tall. And um, always used to outstand every other thing in the garden, no matter what, no matter what she what she planted in the past years. I've been living here and um, they always they always just stood out. And I just always kind of it's kind of hard not to notice them, you know. And I remember like year after year, I remember the first year, I don't know what she changed, but it was like one of them fell. And then after that, it was like they never fell again. It was like they kept, you know, staying up. And it was a real interesting thing, almost like um, like like a learning process, almost. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if it was in her methods or just in the seeds or how she cared to it, but nevertheless, just being able to kind of come and take in nature in that way. And then hearing that from you 
it definitely made me view those sunflowers in my backyard, you know, last year, you know, before before the season kind of changed and it started to get colder. Um, made you kind of, makes you appreciate the things around you and how those things yeah. around you can kind of, you know, define and bring the words to uh, the things that you go through and what you represent. So many different right. things. Um, but it's been a few years. Um, yeah. It's been a little bit of time since you've released um, the Sunflower Project. Tell me about the feedback um, from people that you know who have um, read and taken the taken the book in. Um, yeah. What 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 have what have you been what have you been told about you know what about your words? Right. So the first part was like amazing. Like I wish I could have bottled up that feeling it mm-hmm. was it was humility it was um gratitude it was um just joy and and power all mixed together you know mm. hearing so many people reach out to say thank you for being brave enough or thank you for saying these words that I have never been able to say thank yeah. you um for helping me to to open up about my abuse. Thank you for inspiring me to seek out God. Thank you. Like over and over and over and just overwhelming response from people in my community and in um, our Clark Atlanta community, you know, that read it and were taken aback, but were so overwhelmed with gratitude. They were grateful, you know, and it wasn't because I told my story, but it was because I told their story, you know, and that's what I mean when I say that poetry is living. Like I'm talking about some of my pain. I'm talking about some of my triumph, but you're not reading necessarily about me. If you allow yourself to see yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was hearing from so many people, you know, I I was brave. That's what it translated to me. I was brave enough to take that step. I was brave enough to connect with this work and it, it touched me in a way that I will never be touched again. Like, so that wrapped me up. Like I just, and again, I was, I'm still coming out of my abuse, abusive relationship. So, you know, to feel validated in a sense, and I wasn't trying to pair my validation to the people and what they were saying, but I had gone so many years not feeling like I was good at nothing, not feeling like I could do anything well. Mind you, she's a queen. She she a whole queen. (laughs) 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 I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that's just the impact of it all is what I'm pointing out. You know what I'm saying? The fact that what you feel about you, you know? You can be in those those positions feel worthy yeah and that's really a lot of what was going on um when I was in college before you know the sunflower project was born but you know this thing I felt proud of yeah and this thing I knew I felt that I had done something good and it wasn't just good because it was good to me other people were healing and then um later there was the community of people um outside of you know people from my hometown people from Clark Atlanta people that stumbled across it and were ready to receive it. There were like strangers who were were able to read the book. And some of them, you know, this was, this was powerful. This was amazing. This was um, a really good read. It was a surprising read. You know, this is a great debut for an author. And then there were other people like can't get with it. uh, Damn, they told you. Okay. 
and they put it on, put it on my Goodreads profile. Mm-hmm. It's for me. It's yeah. too religious to me. Yeah. And you know that that's a it's crazy for me because I think now as I'm like transitioning, I'm growing. I'm not ever gonna not be the Sunflower Project, but I'm growing um in my in my witness. I'm growing in another not another direction, but just to the next level, you know? Yeah. I'm hearing the too religious for this this world. And yeah. It's kind of grown, I guess, in some other world, in some <laughs> other space. It's, but to me, it's just honest, you know? Yeah. So it is it's real. And that is what I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to do. That I feel like was my... Trying to give you truth. Exactly. I'm just trying to be real. Like, and so um, that's been a thing. It's interesting, but um, it doesn't it doesn't slow me down. It doesn't make me feel hindered or uh, ashamed or anything. I just I just am grateful that somebody read it. You know, somebody held it and yeah. somebody connected with it. Yeah, and somebody said thank you yeah. because of what you said. I can touch. I'm touched, and my heart is a little bit more free, you know? Yeah. That was the goal. And the other part of it, it motivates me in my next direction, yeah. you know? I, I think it's, um, I appreciate you uh, expressing that. And I, I think that what's interesting about uh, comprehension these days is how comprehension is so um, subjective, depending on mm-hmm. who you are. Um, yeah. Because I think... Um, it's funny how people can say things about uh, reading something that feels like it's too much faith or too much religion in it. But um, Lily, one of my best friends, she just reread, uh, she just finished reading Alchemist for the first time and how mm-hmm. this book about this story, about this thing that's outside of what a lot of your own beliefs may be is essentially mm-hmm. alluding to. And yes, the mm-hmm. allegory is um, manifestation and, and believing in yourself and sticking to the plan and staying on your purpose and creating things on your own and so on and so on and so forth, people still read that and can get and, and grasp the concept, really truly comprehend what's being said. Um, mm-hmm. Some people get um, caught up in the, um, I don't know, in the pathway to get to you, to get to that point sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Which is so funny because it's selective. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. It's very selective. Um, Nevertheless, I think um, you you mentioned something in our first uh, pre-interview several months ago about soul work. Mm-hmm. And um, I think um, what I've learned in the past few years, I think I've my spirituality has definitely uh, deepened and has mm-hmm. um, changed and and um, has certainly matured in a lot of different ways. Because um, because when you're away from home, you're away from, you know, away from mm-hmm. particular patterns and you yeah. you are alone and you got to find your own ways to tap in and it not be yeah. these things that are already that you can kind of depend on. It's like, well, I go to church with my mom every week, every, every Wednesday, every Sunday, or I go to my, you know, so I can just, I can just save whatever vibes I got for that moment, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then your life changes. It's like, damn, I ain't, I ain't going to church on Wednesdays. Like, a, like I used to with my moms all the time. I, I was like, I'm, I might be missing every other Sunday now. So it's like, damn, oh, I move entirely and you never join a new, a new community, whatever it is. How do you stay tapped in? How do you continue to do this, um, this work, you know? Um, and for me, and I don't know about a lot of other people, uh, for me to, to, 
stop um, connecting faith as this uh, as this external work, you know, mm-hmm. as this thing I need to like go out and go do a thing and blah, 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 and this, that, and the third, even though I do love tangible actions of faith, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know, just praying and meditating and, and like, you know, you know, giving offerings, all these particular things. I think I, I like how actionable it is. It feels like I know I did this and it kind of sends a, a particular message inside me. But I realized, oh, to have faith is to be inward, you know, to do soul work is to be inward, to to have this strong sense of self is you actually complementing your spirituality. But I didn't see it that way for so long because it felt like every single version of religion that was presented to me was so external in so many ways. You know, you had to show up in a particular way. You had to do this in a certain way. You had to dress in and be and present in a certain way. Um, and it kind of, you know, made it complex to me, it made it too complex to me. Because then you start admiring the external way more than you do the internal of, of yourself and other people. Um I would love to know, like, you know, in terms of finding a way to infuse that into your work, keep that within your everyday. Um, how has that been? Because I don't I don't know how um, easy that is for people, you know, in our generation all, all the time to kind of like discover what soul work is um, to, in, your, in your own definition, but to mm-hmm. also maintain that. Like, how do you maintain that? You know? Yeah. 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 That's good. Um Soul work for me, I'll start right there, is it is the dissecting and digesting of the word of God in order that my trauma, my mistakes, my bad habits, my unhealthy thinking is exposed. Mm. And therefore, in his face, that we can we can confront it and yeah. therefore work on it together. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Soul work is literal work. I think um I think that my relationships had taught me a lot of things, or I should I I keep calling them relationships, but you is don't not in the healthy sense of a connection with another human being. Let's not think about it like that. But it was a connection. (laughs) So I'm active I'm actively pursuing these things that are no good for me. I'm actively um participating in self-harm. And I don't mean um necessarily physically, um, but Still, I mean, it's self-harm. I mean, if it's not self-love, it's self-harm. So if you, your self-talk is is poor and negative, if you're um, operating in uh, or showing up for a relationship that is not serving you, if you're giving your body to um, people who are not, but in God's term, God's, God's standard is that you should be married. I, I ain't married, but I have had, situations or being caught up in sexual misconduct and I don't call it rape. I don't call it that. I have been places where I shouldn't be that led to things that shouldn't have happened. You know what I'm saying? And then trying to make a habit or make a a bad thing. Okay. Created a habit. Like, let me keep trying to show up here. Let me make this into a relationship so that it can be, it can be good. And that this can be acceptable. It can be acceptable to me and it can Mm. be acceptable 
for for him and he'll want me and he'll want that whole thing was uh the cycle that I rolled when I was in college. Yeah. And you talking about, you know, like not being at home and having the responsibility to be self-disciplined, honestly, to take what your mama gave you or your grandmama gave you or whoever and apply it because they had done their part with bringing us up in the church. And that was the thing for me and my family. Like my mama, daddy, grandparents, my my family base is wide. And everybody, we all worshiped together for years before my, my uncles became pastors. So I had the foundation. You know, yeah. it was up to me to, to stand on the foundation, but it was tough whenever I was under the, away from their eyes. Same thing, you know. But the the things that I picked up, like I said, were hurting me. And I didn't see or did, wasn't able to recognize at first how the way I was moving and acting was literally giving off. You're damaged. You're damaged. You're hurting. You're sad. You're broken. And I'm just, you know, out here living, having a good time until I wasn't, you know, until I could feel so heavy in myself and even got to the point, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'm worthy of living. Like it had Mm -hmm. gotten to that place for me. Mm -hmm. So my, my mental health, my, my emotional wellness, all of that was threatened because of how far I had gotten. So, you know, the the writing comes up and then there's the expression that says, uh, or me self, me expressing myself and I'm also aware now, yeah. you know, healing is mandatory. Healing is mandatory. And then, you know, I see the word of God come to life. Like you raise a child up in the way that they should go. When they are old, they won't depart from it. I, I don't know where I was when I was out doing whatever, but I knew how to get myself right on back to to truth and to the disciplines that my parents had put into me, you know, and there it began, like writing the book was one phase, but I wasn't done healing. I'm not, I'm not done healing. Yeah. And there, even now in my, in my healing journey, I realized like there was so much more to unpack, so much more to unpack pain needed a label like why does this hurt you know why are you devastated by this why are you triggered by this why are you why are you feeling anxious right now because xyz happened you know like it was uh, there was more to be exposed but like i said soul work is is just that i want to pull it up i want them them dead roots up out of me you know i want them on the table i want to surrender that i want to surrender that habit i need that i need that gone from me I want to redefine myself here. I don't want to keep carrying, you know, the ghosts of my past. I don't want to keep holding on to shame. And when you you pulling up that kind of stuff, it needs to be addressed. It needs to be dealt with so that it can be it can be put away. You know, it's a part of my story for the time that it was a part of my story, but it doesn't have to define me. And I did not want that to define me because staying in shame and guilt was going to cost me my life. It, essentially whether it was uh, my spirit dying or literally giving up. Staying in that, that trauma was going to cost me my life. And um, I think that that was also the thing that reignited my faith because I knew where I, where I was. I knew how low I was. Mm-hmm. But it made no sense that I, that God 
loved me still. Like mm. I knew it. I could feel it. I mm. could feel him wanting me still. Mm-hmm. When I thought I was dirty and I thought that I was trampled on and I knew people were not treating me with love. Like mm. people were not careful with me, you know, and I got all this love to give and I'm so excited, you know, to to give myself to somebody and it had become giving myself to anybody yeah. and it felt like nobody wanted me. Yeah. And so I'm catching all this grief and I'm I'm taking on, you know, the weight of other people and their trauma because I'm holding it, I'm absorbing it. Mm-hmm. And yet and still, in the heart of all of that, I know God is is still calling me why do you want me when I don't know what there is to want about me? Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, reignited my faith because make that make sense, God. Mm-hmm. Make it make sense. If you think that I'm worthy, show me where I'm worthy. Show me why I'm worthy. And in, in his truth, in the word of God, we start unpacking. We start stripping the, the the labels that my abuser and the other poor relationships, those people have put on me. We taking all of that away. We, we knocking that off because if this, the word of God is the truth, then what they have spoken over me has to be a lie because they don't, they don't go together. You know what I'm saying? So I, that, that was what my soul work journey looked like reestablishing my identity and reconnecting with the truth. And letting the love of God really take control up inside of me, like, and just nourish me, just nourish me. I, I just felt so stripped. That's how I felt. And um, I, I, I think people outside and who are still struggling, you know, maybe they just haven't gotten to that low point. But I couldn't continue to to gamble. Yeah in the world you know I couldn't keep doing it because it it was going it was me or or the world like either I'm gonna be here or I'm gonna be gone and it was that deep but it was right there in that lowest place that I'm like feeling the Holy Spirit telling me don't do it you know Mm. I love you still why Mm -hmm. the minute that I could ask why it was like, and then, you know, and it, some of my stories even talks about being angry with God. Like, I'm I'm mad. I'm so mad with you. And yet you still calling? Like, you still wanting me? Like, what is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so, I don't know. I want to be able to, to write and speak or whatever so that people don't have to go to that low place to know God loves you. And there's so much to get from him and so much to feel with him, you know, that, you know, they don't have to get all the way there before they ask the question why. But I don't know. I'm not sure what made the world attractive to me other than I was looking for love without looking at love. Mm. You know, I think that people are hungry for something. And the minute that we get a little bit of freedom, yeah, we just go on a frenzy search, a frenzied search, you yeah, know, trying to find it, trying yeah. to find it, whatever it is. And we want it to serve us, and we want it to be immediate. We want, and that's that. The truth of that is, that's not how God works. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know, we got all these things 
that will suggest there are holes inside of us that yeah. he needs to fill. Mm-hmm. But we're looking for other things to fill them. That was me. Yeah. That was me. I think um, I appreciate you um, for expressing that and uh, and breaking that down for us because I think um, to um, to be uh, given and show yourself grace is like supreme perspective you know I think a lot of people don't um, understand how powerful that is as an, as an action that you feel um feel from, you know, from a higher power or, you know, truly and, and adopt into your own uh, self-treatment um, mm-hmm. of understanding like, well, shit, you know, if the one above me can give me this much grace and I have to emulate mm-hmm. that, you know, and I think because yeah. it's perspective. Yeah. I think so often we um, can bury ourselves into the shadows that we possess the baggage that we carry, um, the scars that we can still see, mm-hmm. um, the feelings that are still there, the presence mm-hmm. of certain things. Mm-hmm. And we allow that to be the definitions of who we are. And the reality of it is, it's like, no, nah, you right here, right. right now, a little hungry, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? A little bloated, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> st- st- somebody still want to know how you doing? People, people still care for you. And mm-hmm. um, and you are the person who has all these things, has all this energy kind of coming your way that's positive, that's light. And you try your best to make that dim, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Having grace and perspective, having grace is really having the perspective of knowing, like, regardless of the state that you're in, that you, um, that is your, it's, it's, it's your space respectfully for a moment in time. And um, it's not your all, it's not everything that you are, you know? Um, and I think that's the part that kind of, you know, really messes a lot of people up. It's because it, it feels um, so self-defining. These like pivotal, these negative pivotal moments feel so self-defining um, because it's like, well, shit, I mean, well, you know, it, it depending on what it is, it could be, you know, the loss of parents. It could be the loss of uh, opportunity. It could be the loss of... Um, it could be the, the not even the loss, the never gaining a particular thing. You've tried and tried and tried, and it feels like you never have finally gotten the thing you always work towards. It's like that's just, mm-hmm. just who I am, I guess. I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm a I'm an orphan. I'm a a person who just can't figure it out, can't get right. All these other things is what you kind of def- people define themselves to their uh, to their lows, to their lacks, to their what they what they really wouldn't rather be defined as because it makes them more comfortable. To kind of always put that on front street. It's like, you know, I'm all right. I'm cool. I'm 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 working. I'm whatever. And it's like, nah, you you good. You decent. You're becoming. No one likes to tr- to pick those transitional things or those things that are just what they are, claiming what it is. And it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to finally get out your own way. But I think it does take the practice of grace. Take mm-hmm. takes the practice of like having perspective on who you are and what you are. For me, honestly. Um, once I discovered what my shadow was and, and, and just what that work was from a psychological and a spiritual aspect, I kind of realized like, oh, so I've been over here trying to um, banish these negative parts of me, like mm-hmm. entirely. Like, let's just clean house. So I don't want this shit to even be around me in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to find the understanding of, you know, of why I'm holding on to those particular things, you know, and um. 
and why I'm defining them to be uh, the banes of my existence. And it, it transformed my uh, my definition of negativity, why that is a polarity that we even have in this world, you know? Imagine if only good was around, how could we know what's good, you know? But also understanding that neutral is a place you can be in. That can be a space where you're just numb, where feelings are are up and down. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it helped me understand so many different things. And I feel like more and more and more uh, people, especially within our age range and within our generation, have to um, find their way to it mm-hmm. in whatever way that makes sense. Um, because I believe I'm a firm believer that, you know, no matter the faith that you choose, no matter the um, spirituality that you align with, the practices that you 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 cling to, that um, ultimately you are this um, you are this you are the common denominator, no matter what those things are. And so no matter what your faith is, if you aren't treating yourself well within it or, or, or attached to it, then what's the point? You know, um, you're not you're not you're not really fulfilling everything that you say you want to fulfill. If you align with this thing, if you call yourself a Christian, you call yourself a Muslim, you call yourself a Buddhist or whatever it may be. It's how how well are you treating you? Because it's you are the person who's supposed to have a relationship to this higher source that you believe in. Um, but if you are. But if the only one way track of love is coming from down up and not, you know, inside out and up, then what's the point? Mm. Um, But I love that though. I love that though. In in terms of like these days of, you know, cause I I feel like maybe it was, maybe it was when we was younger. Cause I remember, Mm. I don't know how it is now, but I remember when we were younger, I feel like throughout the like nineties and the early two thousands, it felt like church, Every single church had the same like get back to the youth type of initiative. <laughs> we gotta we gotta figure out how to connect to the youth. Let's do us play that Kirk Franklin song again. Let's uh, let's do some dancing. Let's let them do something that they want to do. We need a kids' night. We need a we need a, uh, a sit like a what is a, um what was some things called? We spend the night at church. I forgot what it was called. A lock-in. We need a lock-in. <laughs> they need things to do in the, you know, in the church of, of God, that type of vibe. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, I'm not sure what churches are on because it's. It, I feel like churches start to get young in a way. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole lot of iPad pastors. And I ain't going to hold you. It don't, I, don't, I don't like it all the time. <laughs> That's how I realized. I was like, oh, I might be I might be the reason. Um, because I was just like, because it just be so, I was like, damn, this dude got Yeezys on and like some ripped jeans. I don't know. Like, I'm kind of used to somebody with a, with some pant legs like this wide. You know, got a little guy. They, they wear they, they wear they watch with the, with the, you know, with the face right here. And they be looking at it while they, while they preaching. I'm used to that. Sweat, baldness, shortness, oldness. <laughs> That's what I'm used to, and these folks out here with a with a taper with a taper cut, with a, you know what I'm saying with the with the sponge. You can tell they got hit with the sponge with some tight clothes on and the new Yeezys. It's like, hmm, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this. But what is it? What is it that you've noticed about you know good examples of people of how people have you know kept to their faith and kept um, from in our generation, especially because a lot of people aren't going to church. A lot of people are you know, resorting to digital, you know, digital church, um, whatever ways they're doing it. Like how, how, how have you seen and how do you, I guess, suggest to anybody who uh, wants to kind of tap back in, um, mm-hmm. how, 
how did how have you seen the whole scape of just millennials and their overall religious and spiritual spiritual practices? Yeah, yeah. I um, I would say first, you know, I I low key I appreciate the the trans. It's not even I don't want to call it a transformation because I feel like that's um like saying that the heart of of church is different. Yeah, but things are changing and I think that there's a responsibility on millennials to to say yes to what God is telling them to do because there are things in like traditional church that I feel like um that I know were more religious than they were by like bible based or spirit led that I think you know is they just it's coming to light now like there are they you know millennials we ain't standing for no no whole bunch of mess you know yeah what I mean? yeah we'll 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 burn down anything at this point i think we should yeah we don't show it we'll burn down whatever target too and we love target <laughs> millennial leaders in the church you know like for me for my story mm-hmm I'm talking about sexual misconduct. I'm talking about sexual abuse. I'm talking about um, having to rediscover like love for my body and love for and learn how to respect my body. Like, mm-hmm. and typically when you go into a church service, you're not hearing people talk about um, sexual misconduct. I mean, it's not necessarily the the basis of a sermon. That's not yeah. necessarily. Mm-hmm. However. Does it need to be spoken about? Does what God has to say about my body mm-hmm. and how he has entrusted me as a steward of my body, does that not have to be be spoken? And then for me, for Alicia, like I have heard, you know, some people, I when I did my book launch, there's the you I didn't think you should be wearing that. You know, like and mm. then um, like I was telling you before, like people who not believers who read in the Sunflower Project got an issue with the Sunflower Project because it's too religious. So I'm like, okay, I'm too religious for, for the world worldly folk. And then I'm too whatever I am mm-hmm. for the church folk. Mm-hmm. But my energy, my attitude toward that is that ain't nobody's job to um, convict me but the Lord. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if God is calling me to represent a certain body yeah. in a way that we can, that he is heard yeah. and that he gets glory. Yeah. Then I'm going I'm to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I have learned cause I'm old church too. Like I grew up Baptist. So yeah, me too. Uh, it was a certain way that we did stuff, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Growing yeah. up like that all years. And even now there's still a certain way that my church does stuff. But I want to. I want to be obedient with my mission. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. And I also want to be myself. You're not gonna catch me in nobody's pulpit. Um, and I mean, I I wear me some suits now, but I'm not gonna be dressing like the deaconesses because that's not me. I'm 26. You feel me? Like, <laughs> so, you know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you gonna have a hat on. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing <laughs> And the fascinators too, because some of them still wear the fascinators. Yeah, they do. They do. They look, look. I, why, why go out? You know, look. They got hat boxes. They why, why? You know, why put them to use? Got to put them to so use. There, I think that there is a, a place for 
um, these new. It's, I don't want to even call it new. I think people just trying to be real. That's really that's really how they get it. How they want to show up. Really, what I feel is the heart of it that they want to be real because that that's my heart. You know, I I just want to tell y'all about about Jesus as I know Him. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to lie to nobody. I'm not trying to tell you that my way is the way. I, I'm correcting or putting what I have done next to truth in everything that I do. Yeah. Next to the word and everything that I do. Yeah. His word going to stand. You know what I'm saying? If you can get past me having dreads and long lashes and not normally my nails done too. You know what I'm saying? If you can get past that and hear me, then I think you'll have heard something that you need. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think the point the point that I'm making is that I think that it is a millennial responsibility at this point to be bold enough and brave enough to to represent God in the way that he is asking us to represent him. And there are a lot of people who in the middle. Mm. You know, I say it all the time, my, my story, I don't know if it's for the stoutly religious. I don't know that because those people super saved they might not need the Sunflower Project. You know what I'm saying? But that one girl or that one young boy who is on the fence, who don't feel like they fit in the church because they don't have a look, you know what I'm saying? Or who don't feel like God loves them because of the things that they have done or the things that they have allowed. That's my story. You know what I'm saying? And if they not trying to hear me because... um of or if other people are not trying to hear me because of that being my story then it just wasn't for them you know what I'm saying I I gotta say yes to what I feel like God is leading me to do and I think every millennial has that kind of a mission because we ain't standing for that old stuff certain stuff that was taboos in the church before we have to talk about we're not going to talk about it how we're going to learn about it we're not going to get the the christian's perspective if the church ain't talking about it and we got a lot to say we mean the millennials yeah yeah hey yeah are you know what i'm saying and you ain't finna catch us in uh what you call them what kind of pant leg as soon as you said i was thinking about my granddad yeah that wide that (laughs) that thing be about that wide you know what i'm saying it be that wide a good shoe, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the face of the, the face of they watch be right there, and, and they say things. Yeah, the big glasses, they be thick too. They be sweat. They got their towel. They got their towel ready. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they and they and when they really feeling it, they might stutter a little bit. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you don't get the hoop at the end. Now. I'm yeah. telling you. Shoot, and, 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 and the fact of, and, 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 and the fact of the matter is, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Go yeah. go crazy, go crazy then. Go crazy, go done with it. Yeah. You know, all that, uh, from home church and when we was that church that we experienced coming up, I still love and appreciate. Yeah. I just me too. My mission is my mission, you know, and I pray I know that God will provide the audience because yeah. you didn't come to save the saved. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He was he was eating with the sinners. He was dining with the sinners. He was looking for the sinners, mm-hmm. looking for people who needed to hear the truth. Now, yeah. And I feel like as long as it's the truth, I don't really care what you wearing. Make sure it's the truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the place that I've come to because of my own responsibility with my witness. Yeah. I don't. I really don't want to hear. It, you know, if if the Lord ain't convicting me on my dress. 
why why are we talking about my dress? Did you hear the message? Yeah, did you did you yeah, did you get it? You get all that? Yeah. Yeah, did you get all that? Where I am today, but I believe in conviction. So should the Lord direct me in another way, then I'm going whatever way he tell me. It's it's truth first to me. Yeah. For me. No, I feel that. I feel that. And I, I do I do catch what I catch. I do catch a lot of um a lot of the things, cause you know they 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 high tech now. They be reposting the things. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and Juwanza, Juwanza love him some uh, some Sarah Jenks. <laughs> he love her. He love him some her. So I always get a good dose of her. But um, but but I, but I do appreciate that though. I do appreciate the um, some of the younger kind of faith leaders in various in various um, denominations. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of jumping out and being those people who are those voices, giving those perspectives, because it's like, yeah, somebody who is, you know, in their 60s and 70s at this point, not saying that they can't still resonate, you know, they gifted in that way and blessed and anointed in that way. But it's like, yeah, it, it does feel good for somebody to have a context of like, yeah, social media do make me feel away. You know what I'm saying? Or <laughs> or like you don't really understand, like, why this is like a, a particular, very specific generational problem in terms of relationship, in terms of how we communicate. Um, because it's just, you you, don't, you didn't communicate in the same way, you know? And I think that's, you know, that's what makes uh, so many things so defining and so like, so specific to a group. Because it's like, right. I, can't go to, I can't go to my mom's. If I have a problem that started, began, and occurred all on social media, I can't go to my mom and be like, hey, what did you do when you went through this at 20 something? You know what I'm saying? Like, how'd you handle, how'd you handle right. this little, you know, little, little, little virtual scuffle that you're going through, this virtual argument, which, you know what I'm saying? You can't, you know, it's okay though. It's okay that they don't have an exact antidote for it, but nevertheless, it feels good when somebody really understands. Um, yeah. I think in this challenging, other people, it was a great reference with parents because my mama taught me early how to handle social media. She mm-hmm. was not playing, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? She had to get with it as my parent, yeah. Um, because the times were changing, which yeah. you expect the same for the church. Times are changing, times are changing. How are we going to find, you know, those who who we have not yet touched? Choo choo, choo choo, act like you know, act like you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, but you know, um, my last question to you is um, before we can go and send this thing on, is uh, what is the goal? What is the goal? And I think you've spoken so much to it, but if you could just put it in one singular sentence, because you are right, it's on a challenge. What is the goal with your work? What is it that you really want to do with everything that you continue to do? I want to inspire the healing. Mm. I want to influence connection. I want to liberate. I want to lead people to their unleashing. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That's good branding too. I like that. You know, yeah, that's yeah, my type of that's yeah, my type of carrying yeah. on. I like that. I like that. I like that. Okay. Okay. Um, so let me let me see. This should this should uh, let me get my get my music going. Um. So my send it on portion to my episode is my uh, call to action. Some you know some you know gives give the people a little something to do. You feel me? And the uh, call to action that I have this week is um, 
how you can start the work. You know what I'm saying? How you can really start the work. The work, in my mind, in um, very quickly digestible terms, being literally just this this self-work, this inner work, this... um, and that can be faith-based, that can be psychological, that can be uh, so many in so many different ways, just improving on you. You know, we're in a whole new year and um, everybody has this, you know, theme of, you know, to be resolute and be oriented, goal-oriented at the beginning of the year. But some people find themselves running out of gas so fast uh, because they've fixed them into very either superficial things that can't really be sustainable. I would love for you to give the people how they could just start to do the work, you know? Let them, let them know. What, and from your perspective, how do you start? Yeah. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from your perspective, how, 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 how would you say people can just start the work? Oh, look at me. <laughs> um, I would say... Um, you start by attempting to, I mean, making the effort to see yourself. Mm. Um, that would require a pause. That would require um, a slowdown, you know, really look. Um, my slowdown was almost God forced because I was not trying to slow down. Like, I don't want to. I'm trying to find this new job. I want to move to this new place. I want to, you know, see my life go forward. And I'm desperate for that. And then, boom, a pandemic happens. You got to, you got to, you can't, you know, you have to, you have to stop. And then you can't, I can't find another job. Okay. Now I got lots of time on my hands. So before it, I think before God has to intervene, I would say make time to look at yourself, right? Make time to look at yourself. Where, what are you hungry for? Ask the questions. Do, do I trust myself? Mm. How am I showing myself love? Mm-hmm. How do I show myself kindness? If you can answer the questions and be sure, you know, like I'm doing this and this is my answer and I'm solid on that, you may be in a good place. But if you are th- 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 like, mm, am I able to say that I trust myself? Am I able to say that I love myself? And how do I, sh- if you're struggling with it, I think we start there. I think yeah. we start there. I mean, yeah. take the time to do a survey of self and then ask the, the, the healthy questions or the questions that were suggested you're healthy. And if you can't give the answer, if you're not satisfied with the answer, then you know you need to slide down that path, mm. feed into that, mm. get the answer that you want on paper for the next time you check in. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's a beautiful send it on. That's a great way to uh, wrap this thing on up. So, mm-hmm. um, so before you go, make sure you tell everybody how they can, you know, support you. Go get the Sunflower Project. And um and just look out for everything else that you have going on. Let us know what we need to how how can we keep up now with, with Unleashed. You feel me? We trying to we trying to trying to you know what I'm saying get out here our damn self, you know? <laughs> well the Sunflower Project is available on Amazon. The Sunflower Project by Unleashed. Um and be be looking for book number two book number two and I'm gonna go ahead and plug the name because it is in the works hey (laughs) 
Book number two is it is consumed. Consumed. Mm, okay. By Unleashed. And I'm looking at being able to release that end of 2022. Okay. Or spring, I say I was say spring semester or the first few months of 2023. But it is it is cooking and it is it is intense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's necessary, you know. I think it is exactly the the it's the sister project to the sunflower project, but it is as unleashed. What happened next? I feel like I became unleashed and realized worth and value in the sunflower project, but we weren't done healing. So yeah. there's all other part of the story to be told, and it will be coming out coming out soon. So that. yeah, sunflower project on Amazon.com. I love it. Un- I love it. I love it. I love it. Make sure you go out there. Uh, how, uh, did you give me your, uh, your socials? Oh, IG, uh, Twitter, and TikTok. You can find me at I Am Unleashed. Um, YouTube, my at name is Leash, L-Y-S-H. And Unleashed is U-N-L-Y-S-H-E-D. Yeah. You can also find that in the description of this particular podcast episode no matter where you're listening or watching um um i want to thank you for giving me your time for us uh making this happen um i really truly appreciate the perspective the standing up with your art standing up with your creativity um and still just being multifaceted and amazing you know what i'm saying i still see you as take me to the king i ain't gonna never not see you as that i'm gonna always be amazed i'm gonna always just (laughs) it's her (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe this um, Because because the, the first impression was enough The first impression was charming enough You know, the voice, the Vidalia-ness of it all And just, just being warm, you know I think that that was enough to already enjoy you as a, as a being in, this, uh, in the same space So to know that you also have gifts And are willing to use those um, in service for other people um, And to yourself is something that is uh, commendable and beautiful and I um, appreciate you for it, first off. And I um, appreciate you just giving giving us a little peace. You know what I'm saying? Over here at, at Simply King. You understand? Um, but uh, make sure that you follow. If you don't know, you should know. You can follow the Simply King podcast everywhere. Uh, everywhere podcasts are available. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe. And make sure that you share. Because I make family-sized content. You be mad as hell. You sat there and ate that whole bag of chips by your damn self. Give them give, give them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Share a little <laughs> bit of it. So I appreciate you. Um, you can follow uh, the podcast at the Simply King Pod on IG. And go and like the Facebook page on Facebook at the Simply King Podcast. You can follow my personal page at Kings underscore memoirs. Uh, where you can find so much content, Certainly pivoting this year uh, to make more content about just black wellness and just seeing a black man evolve. And I'm trying to capture it all and hope y'all join me on the ride. Um, also, uh, follow my um, business page at Life is King on IG uh, for any uh, digital marketing or creative production services. You can go to the site at the same name, lifeisking.com and check all those things out, details and all things. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, this has been the Soulfully Conscious podcast for humans simply being humans this has been unleashed also known as alicia mcleod and i've been rodney perry and this has been simply king peace it was the only dream that i can afford now i wrote i ride in california peace frog over goggles i'm leaning out the window oj shining on me simpson shining on me slick circles flow broke off the squad
run it, run it, run it. I rock, I roll, I blow, I blow, I glow. I Nobody fucking with T, but that just made me